This episode is coming to you in early May, which means that if you're anything like me, you are getting extremely antsy for summer. Here in Pennsylvania, we are getting tiny little tastes of sunshine and warm weather, but I am ready for sandals and short sleeves and sitting by the pool and long days of reading on my porch. If I wasn't already looking forward to summertime, the book I read for this week's episode definitely helped me get there. By popular demand, episode 243 is all about Jenny Han's The Summer I Turned Pretty, in which main character Belly returns to Cousins Beach for yet another summer with her mom, brother, and the Fisher family. This summer feels different somehow, though. People are looking at Belly in a new way, the adults are acting kind of weird, and Belly's longtime crush on Conrad Fisher has taken on a new intensity. The Summer I Turned Pretty got a lot of renewed attention in the summer of 2022 thanks to an adaptation on Prime Video. But today, my guest and I explore the details of the original book, which was published in 2009. We get nostalgic about the significance that summers have had in our own lives, as well as some of the more transformative experiences we've had during summers gone by. We talk about the male gaze, Belly's evolving relationships with boys, tankinis, game playing, class and money, and friends that insist on stealing your spotlight. We consider Belly's dynamics with the three boys in The Summer I Turned Pretty. That's Conrad, Jeremiah, and Cam, as well as with her mother. Like so many other details in this book, the mother-daughter relationship is painfully resonant and so real. Jenny Han is such a master of tapping into the teenage experience, and we break it all down over the next hour. This week, help me give a big SSR welcome to Grace Klosta. Grace has been a reader for as long as she can remember and started her Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook in May of 2021. She recently started her own podcast, The One Woman Book Club. Each month, Grace and her community choose a book and read along together on the show. She's all about empowering readers to read whatever they love, and that's a mission I can get behind. If you are not already following Grace at Grace's Reading Nook, go ahead and check her out and tune into the One Woman Book Club podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Stay in the loop with all things SSR at SSRPod on Instagram and Twitter, and on Facebook when you search the SSR Podcast or the SSR Book Club. As always, I would like to offer a friendly reminder that SSR is an independent podcast, which means that I am a one-woman show and not backed by a larger organization. The contributions I receive from fans like you play a huge role in keeping the proverbial lights on, so I can continue to create the content you enjoy. If you love what you hear on the SSR podcast, I invite you to learn more about becoming a patron. For as little as $1 per month, you can support my work and get some awesome perks in return. Check it out at www.patreon.com slash SSRpodcast or by going to www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. Last week, we got things rolling with a new month in the SWR, that's Shit We Read Book Club in Patreon. The book is The Thursday Murder Club, and it's not too late to jump in. I hope to see you there. If Patreon isn't your thing, but you still love SSR and want to support it, you can leave a five-star review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or share this episode on social media. You can also shop for SSR merch at www.ssrpodcast.com shop. Our brand new SSR hats are now live. Quantities are limited, and they are super cute, so don't miss out. Episode 243 is brought to you by the AHK Writing Community. I started the AHK Writing Community last year in hopes of connecting aspiring fiction writers and sharing what I learned in my MFA program. 
Whether you think writing short stories could be a fun hobby, or you've already written half of a novel, you are welcome in this group. I offer accountability, workshopping, prompts, writing advice, sharing challenges, and lots of writing discussion. We also have monthly writing office hours in which members are invited to join in for virtual co-working sessions to stay on top of their creative goals. Check it out at www.patreon.com ahkwriters and feel free to send me a DM if you have any questions. I can't wait to meet you and to read your work. Now let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hafkasik freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hi, Grace. Welcome to SSR. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We have a lot of people that are excited about this because today we're talking about the summer I turned pretty. And I've talked about this a little bit here and there, like kind of behind the scenes kind of stuff. But as the podcast continues, I'm I'm working on kind of like moving the the needle or like moving the I'm sure there's like a sports metaphor that I'm missing here. Like moving <laughs> the end zone. I know you can't move the end zone. Well you're moving the score line, whatever. I know. I'm not a sports person. <laughs> yes, everybody can correct me. But basically what I'm trying to figure out as the podcast continues is like how to continue to redefine what we categorize as a throwback read. And so for so long, most of the books that we talked about on the podcast were like pre-2000, but then occasional like early aught selection. Oh, yeah. But now that we're heading into year five of the show, well, I guess year six, because we're about to celebrate the fifth year anniversary. So exciting. I know. Thank you. We need to start looking at newer books, especially because there was this amazing resurgence of YA in the aughts. And so The Summer I Turned Pretty, Jenny Han's collection in general is like such a part of that. And I am working hard to like get out of the sort of like intellectual box that I've put these throwback reads into and move forward. So I was thrilled when you chose The Summer I Turned Pretty. And I know there are going to be a lot of people who are looking forward to hearing this conversation. Yes, totally. It was, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but it was one when I was a teenager that was always on my radar and I, I never read it. Oh. I picked it because I had read pretty much like every book like surrounding this book. Like I had read the other Jenny Han book that she had written at that time. I forget what it was. And I'd read a bunch of books like it, but I had never read this one. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to like channel my inner teenage self and read this book and like it was it was very fun. <laughs> yeah, I didn't read it either. And I so this book came out in 2009 as the first in the trilogy. I didn't realize that it actually preceded to all the boys I loved before. I feel like to all the boys I loved before it got so much more attention and then of totally. course the Netflix show came first and now The Summer I Turned Pretty has had this resurgence because of the Amazon Prime adaptation, which I now feel like I need to go back and watch because I started it. I think I watched the first episode, maybe two episodes, and then I stopped, but now I'm like all about it. And I have to go back and watch. Same. I literally watched, I think maybe the first like five. Okay. And then I also stopped and I, it, we're in the exact same position and now I need to watch it. <laughs> okay. So we're going to watch it and then we're going to discuss. Yeah. 
after we discussed the book, so as I said, the book came out in 2009. I was 19. I was at college, like being cool, not reading YA, because at that time, I feel like I hadn't quite figured out that YA was cool for adults to read. I was in this like weird reading moment anyway, because I was, you know, reading primarily for school. So I didn't read it and it really wasn't on my radar, but I would be curious to know more about maybe what other kinds of YA books you were into, if you were reading, as you said, you read some other Jenny Han books, Mm -hmm. what you thought about them, like just kind of what your reading life was like in 2009 and maybe why you didn't come to this one. Yeah. So 2009, I had just started high school. So I was all about like a young adult, like romance. I would read literally any this is exactly the book I would have loved, which is what's blowing my mind. Anything about like a teenage girl going to like a beach town, meeting a boy. There was a book called like 21 Boy Summer or something. I, I would pick up anything that I could get my hands on, which sounds like crazy, but it was, those are my types of books. Books, actually titles that I can remember. Sister to the Traveling Pants back then was like my jam. I loved all of them. I would say probably even back like early high school, if someone asked me what my favorite book was, it was probably the Sister to the Traveling Pants books. I just like devoured them in late middle school early high school, but I didn't, it was mostly like these young adult romance books and I love them. I just, I feel like it let me escape a little bit and almost like be the girl. I wasn't like the most popular. I was kind of, had my small group of friends and I feel like reading those books kind of made me feel like the cool girl. I don't know. Um, I just love them so much. So the summer I turned pretty totally would have been in your wheelhouse then. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I wish I, so I also, back in the day did like YouTube videos and I did book reviews on my YouTube channel or did like okay here are the top 10 books you need to read for summer which is just like such a throwback and so funny and I never read this book but I remember vividly having people comment saying you need to read the summer I turned pretty like it's so up your alley and I just never did for some reason. Well I'm glad we both missed it because now we got to come to it for the first time together and talk about it today which will be fun. I think there's so much about this story even from the first page that resonated so deeply with me and I think must resonate so deeply with a lot of people I think this notion of measuring your life when you're a kid in summers is so real I mean it's still real to me now as an adult and just this idea of summer traditions and the way they mark your life in a special way when we meet Belly the main character at the beginning of this book she is telling us about how For every summer, for her entire life, she's gone to Cousins Beach with her family. But it's not just her family. She goes and spends the summer with her mom, Laurel's best friend, Susanna, and her family. And it's kind of like a no dads allowed situation. The dads aren't around. They're working. They come to visit occasionally, or they did early on. Since then, Belly's parents have gotten divorced. But Belly has this really romantic idea of the way she spends her summers. It's Belly, it's her brother, Stephen, and then it's Susanna's two sons, Conrad and Jeremiah. And she's like the only girl in this pack of boys that are running around this beach town. But she also gets to have a really kind of unique relationship with Susanna because Susanna doesn't have any daughters. And she looks at Belly as sort of a daughter of her own. And they kind of have like their girls only stuff that Laurel and Susanna and Belly do. It's this like really sacred time. And it brought me into this place of like all the feels that I feel when we go back to the beach town that my family has always gone to for my whole life. And we don't spend the whole summer there, but we go to the Jersey Shore every summer and we've been going to the same place for as long as I can remember. And it's like the most special place to me because it has really been like the only constant in my entire life. We have traditions there. 
I know my way around. Like it's just, it feels like home. And that is just like a beautiful feeling. And then I think as I get older too, like I get a little sort of existential about summers because it's like, yes, like my life is measured in summers. My life is measured in the number of times that I take this trip. And so I resonated with so much of Belly's like opening thoughts about this annual experience. And I think because I'm older than Belly is in this book, it also made me feel like a little sad. Yeah, I can totally see that. I've lived in Maine my whole life. And so I don't really know. They never really specified where Cousins Beach was. I think in the series, it might have been Massachusetts. But regardless, it had such a Maine summer vibe. And I totally agree, like really brought me back to how I felt when I was in high school. And you almost have this separation when you're young, like Belly is of, okay, we have the school year. We're going to try to make the best of it. But summer's always coming. It's always on the horizon. And it's almost like the separate period of your life. Like you have new friends who maybe are coming up for the summer. Like you said, you might go visit a new town. Like it's just such a separation and it almost feels like a rebirth in a way. Like you can just be who you want to be. And I feel like that's exactly how Belly felt. Genuinely reading the book brought me back to being like 15 years old, riding my bike to the beach with my friends in the summer every day, like having $20 in my pocket, going to get a sandwich. Like it just, it just, the feeling that Jenny Han made you feel when you're reading this book, like I just immediately felt like I was 15 again. It was a blast. But yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. And we're recording this episode uh, in mid-April. And as I read it, it was still like kind of cold and not yeah. quite spring in Philly. And it just made me so excited for summer more generally. Me too. So I feel like I might want to read the rest of the books in the series and read them in the summer, like at the beach. I was thinking that. And really get the vibe going. The other thing that I think is a really relatable experience that I kind of wanted to touch on big picture before we get into the like real nitty gritty of the plot is what inspires the title of the book, The Summer I Turned Pretty. I think that so many of us, especially those of us who identify as women, who are socialized as girls, can relate to this idea of like that transition that happens. I've never identified as a man or as a boy, so I don't know what this feels like on the other side. But I do so clearly remember this feeling when I was in high school, like in the midst of puberty, which still feels weird to talk about as an adult, which I think is a reflection on like the terrible state of sex ed in our country. But I'm like, ew, puberty. So true. I remember the sense of like the way people looking at me changing and Mm -hmm. there being this acceptance and this almost joke made of like the male gaze in particular. And of course, this is like a very heteronormative way to look at it, but this is how it's presented in the book. And I think when I was a kid in the mid aughts, like this is how it was presented to me. It so was. It so was. It's like, oh, as you get older, you should just expect that the male gaze will fall upon you and it will be normal and it will be fine and we'll make jokes about it and you will have to learn to live in it. And there were things about that as a kid and I like always feel weird admitting this, like there was a part of that that at the time felt so good to me because it was something that was like celebrated in pop culture and even like in my family like it was like a thing of like oh like wait till the boys start noticing you I was literally just gonna say that like you're gonna have trouble with this one or like she's gonna be trouble when you're like too young to be saying that like late elementary school almost it's like that was so normal back then to be like oh you're starting middle school yeah watch out yeah I mean even as and I've read a lot about this I think especially over the last couple of years as we as a society are trying to change the way that we like socialize kids and Mm -hmm. talk to young people like even this idea that like literal babies 
wear onesies that say like future heartbreaker or like 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 stay away boys like these things are real and they exist and babies wear them and so it's like no wonder that by the time somebody turns 15 like belly is in this book at at least the beginning of the book like no wonder by the time you're 15 turning 16 you're like ah yes like I've been waiting my whole life to finally like come into this heartbreaker identity that I've been coached for my entire life I was actually thinking that when I was reading it she I feel and it's just because that's how society is really kind of like found her self-worth in how these boys were viewing her or how in the popular girls in the book were viewing her and all of a sudden she lost her braces didn't have glasses anymore classic like movie trope sort of thing and finally the boys noticed her and it was all based on her looks but unfortunately like when the book was written I think things are starting to change a little bit now but back then that was so normal and I remember feeling the same things like as I entered high school like first day of freshman year, I just like felt a shift change. And it's, I just remember that day. And it's so, so I feel like so many of us have that same experience. Yeah. And I want to be super clear and I'd be curious, Grace, like how you feel about this. Like, I want to be super clear in the way we talk about this, that like, it's okay Oh yeah. to welcome attention from people that you are physically, sexually interested in or attracted to. Like that's absolutely, totally, it makes sense. It's, biological like that's just what happens I think what feels icky about the way that that was talked about when I was growing up and when this book was published is that there's this sense of like it being outside of your control yes this sense of it not always being consensual and this sense of like that attention naturally translating to as you just said kind of your value or your identity and of course like it's it's very natural to welcome attention and like flirtation and all of that like We all, to a certain, like we're vain, like we are humans. We want to be seen as beautiful, like that's normal. So I don't want to confuse anybody about my feelings about this. Like, yes, on board for that. I still want to be seen as beautiful. Like I still, sometimes when I'm like having a day when I'm not feeling pretty, I'm like, I hope that this is the summer that I feel like I turn pretty. (laughs) It's about like whether or not you're given the choice and whether or not you as a kid, as a teen are sort of socialized to understand your role in that and how you welcome or don't welcome that attention. Completely agree. I mean, there's something to be said for how fun it is to be a young teenager and have a crush on a boy and that flirtation. And there's nothing better than like the butterflies you would get when you liked someone in high school. It was so much fun. So yeah, yeah, of course, completely separate. Just the society standards we were talking about before when the male gaze is just kind of thrust upon us is totally different than that fun flirtatious energy if you like someone, you know. Yeah, and I had a summer that I turned pretty. I've talked about it on yeah. the podcast before. And I, I, <laughs> I was love like, it. I was like, am I hot now? Like, <laughs> you know, we all, I feel like, had this, okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> right, like when I left school at the end of junior year, I was like just me. And then I went away for the summer and I'm pretty sure people thought I was hot. And I came back and I was like, I here it. I am in my new bra. Like, <laughs> Right? <laughs> so true. It always happens over the summer, I always. feel like. Because you have a little tan going on. You feel refreshed. Like I always felt better after the summer too. Well, and there's like some, I think, especially when I was growing up, like it was really pre-social media. So like nobody knew what I was looking like in the summer, you know? So like I would go away, people would forget what I looked like. I'd be doing other things. I'd be with my family. I went to journalism camp, sexy. And then I came back and nobody knew. Nobody knew how I had transformed. And And now you walk into the school and you're like, here I am. (laughs) I love it. Journalism camp graduate, journalism camp hottie. (laughs) 
Yeah. So um, I do think that that piece of it is really relatable. And I love the way that Jenny Han like centered the book around that premise. And it just worked for me. I was like, yes, this is a thing that happens. And it's no wonder that this summer would be meaningful to Belly in so many other ways. Agreed. It's universal. Universal. So you kind of set us up a little bit when you were talking about how she is perceived by this pack of boys. Mm -hmm. And I I do want to dig into that a little bit more because I feel like the way I would have interpreted this pack of boys when I was a teenager if I'd read this book is probably different than I perceive it now. And like, I think I interpreted Belly's goal as part of this pack of boys like differently now than I maybe would have when I was a kid, if that makes sense. So she's like the only girl in this group. And she, she seems to desperately like want to be part of their group. But it's hard to say at times in what way and I think you know there are flashbacks throughout the book that take us to these other summers where we see Belly and her evolving relationship with the Fisher boys in particular I mean she does have this brother Stephen who's absent for a lot of the book but her relationship with Conrad and Jeremiah really does change over time and as she gets older we see that like it seemed like sometimes she just wanted to be included in their games and really just be seen as their equal. There were other times that she started to feel a crush. There are other times that she hated them but still wanted their acceptance. And then, of course, like in the narrative present, she wants to be like adored by Conrad, but she also wants to like have Jeremiah there to adore her even though she doesn't adore him back. Yeah. <laughs> so it changes, but I, I was trying to take myself back and like think about how I might have perceived all of that as a teenager. And it it's complicated. It is. It's a little different, but I had two boy older cousins growing Mm. up and a lot of how she was kind of being teased by them in this. I feel like the flashbacks especially were very like brotherly family sort of like teasing her. And I totally kind of like it resonated with me because I had those two older boy cousins. But then you just throw in the crush a little bit on Conrad. And it was hard for me to put myself in those shoes and be like, how would I have acted around them because you want to be perceived as cool. You want to be in their group. You want to, they're older. You want to do the things that they're doing, hang out with their friends. But at the same time, you sort of have this crush on one of them. It was, it's tough to kind of wrap your head around. And then as you get up, grow up and like him even more, almost, it just gets even, even more so. Yeah, it was weird. And I think like, so I grew up in a much different way in that like I grew up with sisters. And so like, I was really uncomfortable being around boys until I was like probably 16 or 17 years old. No, yeah. Probably the summer I turned pretty, really. And like (laughs) even then I was really uncomfortable around boys just because I hadn't been around boys. I Mm -hmm. grew up in like a very female environment. And so I think like I wouldn't have known what to make of all of this information as Belly. But I also, as a reader, I would have been like, what is one supposed to do? Like they just have all these boys around them all the time. And you don't want to ruin your relationship with – you know, either of them because you love them in like almost like this familial way. But if you have a crush on one of them, you don't want to ruin that either. So it's tough. I can understand her dilemma, her predicament. It's really tough. And at the same time, like she shows up and clearly they're noticing her in a different oh, yeah. way. Like there's comments about like the different kind of bathing suit she's wearing. She was always like the Speedo gal. I know. And now she's like, do I wear a bikini? Which we, again, we've all been there, my sisters. And I still joke about the phenomenon of the tankini and how I was literally (laughs) 
just going to say the tankini. <laughs> the tankini was such a vibe. Yes, I had multiple. <laughs> I loved them. It was just the middle ground when you weren't quite ready for the full bikini yet. Well, and with the tankini, like if you were going to boogie board, like you could still protect yes. your stomach. You didn't need to wear a rash guard, which is like a yes. whole other level of you know embarrassment unless <laughs> yeah. it's a really serious boogie board burn. Right. So the tankini was practical. And I would have liked to see Belly wear a tankini because that would have spoken to my own childhood experience. Agreed. But she went right to the bikini, but she was really unsure about the bikini. She's like, do I take my clothes off and like wear the bathing suit? Oh, it's just so accurate. It's so accurate. Like these moments of like, okay, I have made the decision to wear this bathing suit. What happens next? <laughs> do I take my towel off? There's all these boys here with their friends who I barely know. There was that one scene with that, I forget his name now, on the lounge chair. Yeah. And she's like, I don't really, ugh. it's just, it's, I feel her tension as she's living this summer because I, We've all had that experience. Yeah, I think Jenny Han's attention to detail in those moments in those moments is so impressive. Like she totally. she remembers it just like we do. And she's so in touch with like the little moments that builds into that larger experience and that larger transition for Belly. So I appreciated that. Let's talk about the boys. Now I will say yeah. one of my listeners messaged me when she saw that we were recording this episode today, and she wanted me to know that her niece approaches this book sort of as its own Twilight. So as its own like Team Jacob, Team Love Edward it. situation. Okay. And I guess, especially with like the resurgence around the book because of the adaptation that came out last summer, there's more conversation about like Team Conrad versus Team Jeremiah. I would argue that there's also a Team Cam that should be thrown into the mix. Yes, I know. Everybody forgets Cam, but there's a Team Cam here. So I feel like maybe we should just talk about each of these guys. And I hate to have yeah. our conversation driven by dudes, but that is kind of <laughs> like, those are like the driving forces in Belly's it is. summer. And I think if we talk through each of them, we'll also hit on some of the other plot points that take place throughout the story. So I hate to say that Team Cam is like the first one we should do because it's the sh it's probably like the least material. But like, I think Team Cam is probably where we begin. Yeah, I agree. Cam is always forgotten. And he's such a sweet boy. Like probably, honestly, the best choice. I didn't see him do anything wrong that I can think of. He was totally respectful of Belly, of her boundaries. So sweet. The straight edge Cam, like really treated her so well. And I, I know that he's kind of like the the less desirable option because he isn't like that bad boy, doesn't have any sort of undercurrent of the typical bad boy that Belly seems to like in Conrad. But I loved Cam and I think he deserves a little more attention. Yeah, I wonder if Cam comes back at all in the other books. I was wondering that and I also hated how she ended it with him. Like it was just done. Like she never talked to him again. It was very like Sex in the City. He broke up with me Ugh. on a post-it kind of Literally. situation. Yes. But she like barely even did that. She really just kind of like let it fizzle out. Right. Cam is friend zoned pretty early on. Yeah. Cam is a boy that Belly meets at a big barbecue that she was super excited to be invited to early in the book. Like it was the first time she's gotten to tag along with the Fisher boys and with her brother to this barbecue. And she's feeling very uncomfortable and like out of her element, which makes sense because this is a first for her and she's dressed differently than she's used to. And she's like, if I take my braids out, will it look like I'm trying too hard? So she's just uncomfortable and Cam becomes a safe space because he also looks like he's a little bit out of his element. And I'd say that that's indicative of how their relationship goes throughout the rest of the book. I mean, it's short, but for the time that they are together, like they're able to sort of be each other's safe 
place in an otherwise kind of chaotic, weird summer. And so, yeah, Cam and Belly just strike up a conversation at this barbecue and it's really innocent and nice and like very much the kind of conversation that I think I would have hoped to have had I been in Belly's situation and feeling uncomfortable at a party where I really didn't know anyone. And he, yeah, like you said, he's really into being straight edge. He's really into being vegetarian. Like he has these really strong ethics that he loves to talk about. And I think that an adult version of Cam would probably be super annoying to me. So true. I know. But he is fully the boy that you, like if I, if I had a teenager, I would be like, this is the kind of person that I would like you to start dating because he just seemed very safe but also like you said respectful and fun like he's not a snooze he wants to go out on boats and like do cool stuff I just enjoyed him I did too I didn't find I completely agree if he were an adult in my life now I probably wouldn't love to spend all my time with him but agreed again as a teen as if I had a teenage daughter not that she would want to hear this from her mom, but I would be like, Cam is lovely. I think you should just stay with Cam. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a snooze either. You know, he wanted to do things with her, but he was also figuring himself out. I feel like he has these strong ethics and beliefs, but I f- feel like he kind of mirrored Belly in a lot of ways and just kind of like finding himself that summer. He said no to the skinny dipping because he was a little nervous and hesitant. I really liked him though, but I understand that you don't always want what your parents might want for you. You'd always want the, the classic straight edge type of guy. Yeah, as soon as your parent says that to you, you're like, I do not want that person. Yeah, immediately, no. (laughs) Immediately need to find someone else. (laughs) Totally. I think what was hard to read, and maybe maybe if I had read this book as a teenager and I was more like in it with Belly at her age, it would have felt a little bit more mysterious, like who she was going to end up with. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't quite sure if she would ultimately go for Conrad or Jeremiah in the end. But I do think as an adult, it was pretty clear to me that like Cam had been backburnered and friend zoned pretty early on. I do think like maybe for a younger reader, it would have seemed like he had more of a chance just because you haven't been in a situation where like you have been backburnered or you have backburnered someone else. But as a grown up, I was like, oh, Belly, come on. You're just keeping him (laughs) around just in case. Oh, yeah. When she called him because Conrad had his girlfriend or whatever she was over just so that she would make Conrad jealous it was so sad poor little Cam but yeah you just agreed like in middle school high school if I had read this then it might have been more of a shock to me when she just ended things and went with Conrad but you could see it coming a mile away (laughs) as an adult yeah Cam is really just around for her to play games with I think and I hate to say Mm -hmm. that because I like Belly so much and later on in the book Conrad accuses her of playing games all summer which is an accusation I want to talk about more but I think that she really was playing games with Cam and so much of her relationship with him was driven by what was happening with the other two boys. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously not fair. And I, I guess I kind of wish that Belly had had like more of a moment of reckoning with that. Yes, that's a huge thing. Yeah. There just was never like, we never closed the loop on the fact that like, yeah, it was kind of messed up of me to treat Cam that way. Yeah, I feel like she didn't even know that she was playing games or doing things like treating, that's a whole other thing, but kind of like treating her mother poorly. Not that you would really at 15 know these things. And maybe if we do read further in the series, she might have more of that moment of reckoning, but she never really owned up to how she was treating people, which kind of bothered me a little bit, but it's hard to do at 15. I'm sure I did really annoying, you know, borderline kind of 
annoying things, I guess, to like the boys who I was around or I don't know, just it was sort it was kind of mean. Well, I think there's also something to the fact that like, if this is the summer that she turned pretty and she's realizing that she has this new power over mm. yeah. boys in this case, like she doesn't know how to wield that yet. And it's, right. it's so exciting to have that power and to be able to pull different strings now that you have that type of attention. And it takes a while to figure out how to wield that responsibly. Yeah, and that's kind of her first boyfriend in a sense, not that he was really her official boyfriend, but that's kind of like her first date, her first experience with having someone's like heart in her hand. So it wasn't the best, but we all learn from our early mistakes like that. I would be curious to see if she ever brought or if he ever comes back, if she ever brought him up at all in the following two. I agree. Okay, so let's talk about Jeremiah. Her relationship with Jeremiah is kind of murky and confusing throughout the whole book. I feel like I never could quite put my finger on what was going on between the two of them. They are the little siblings. So Jeremiah has an older brother, Conrad, and Belly has an older brother, Stephen. And so Stephen and Conrad were often kind of grouped together when they were growing up. And so by extension, Jeremiah and Belly were always kind of paired up in different activities that they did. So they were always just like the pals, like the younger two. And they were always just doing different things while their older brothers were off being a little bit cooler than they were. And throughout the sort of like flashback scenes, it's clear that Jeremiah like might have a thing for Belly. But then there's another flashback where Belly's best friend Taylor, her best friend from home, comes to Cousins for part of one summer. And then Taylor and Jeremiah kind of have a weird thing that I also couldn't quite figure out. And I feel like that put everybody off. So leading up to the narrative present of this book, where we're finding Belly at 15 and like really trying to make this a summer to remember, I think she didn't really understand how Jeremiah felt, but she was pretty comfortable just like being friends. And she hoped that he felt the same way. Yeah, I totally agree. Throughout the flashbacks and even the current summer, for the most part, I felt like she thought of him more as another brother. Except for when Taylor came in, in that flashback, she also didn't want Taylor to be with him either. So it was that same sort of thing of, oh, I don't think I want him for myself. I don't think I have a crush on him, but I'm not quite sure if I want you to have him either. For me, the whole thing read very for the most part, like brother-sister sort of relationship. Though until Jeremiah at the end kind of declared this crush, which was, I felt like kind of out of nowhere. I understand that she's not really your sister, but it kind of just read that it was like that teasing thing that brothers do. And it never totally felt like a crush for me with Jeremiah and Belly until he said that at the end. Hmm. Now that you say that, I wonder how much of it was like kind of convenience or like, yeah, we find out early in the book that Susanna, Conrad and Jeremiah's mom has always said kind of joked that she hoped that Belly would end up with one of her sons and so I wonder how much of Jeremiah's interest in her was tied up in that especially because we do find out later that Susanna's cancer has come back and so she's really like nearing the end of her life I also think like we find out immediately after Jeremiah confesses his feelings for Belly the depth of his resentment for his older brother and so I think because he has witnessed Belly's crush on Conrad over all these years, maybe part of his interest in Belly is really just about like wanting to one up Conrad in some way. That's I never even thought about that. But it's sad that they Conrad and Jeremiah really don't have a great relationship. And they are really different people almost. And I had never thought about the fact that maybe Jeremiah just liked Belly so that he could have her so that Conrad couldn't. And I could totally see that 
being the case. I'm curious. I don't want to talk about the show too much and I don't want to like spoil anything, but it almost seems like more of a triangle on the show than it was in the book. That always felt from the episodes that I saw, it was almost like, oh my gosh, who's she going to choose? But in the book, it was way more that she was leaning toward Conrad. That was pretty obvious from the beginning. I remember feeling that way too, even though it was just maybe two episodes that I watched. First of all, both of those actors, so good looking. Unbelievable. (laughs) Obsessed. And I did want to call out, although we're not talking about the show very much, the producers, the writers of the show made a great choice, I think, in casting Jeremiah on the show as Bi. Yeah. And I read a quote from Jenny Han somewhere that said, like, if she could write the book again, she would have that in the book as well. I love that. I think that was a great choice, too. So I do want to take a moment to chat about Taylor because Taylor is probably like the most present in this strange dynamic with Jeremiah. Yeah. And I think that there were so many like little details of Belly and Taylor's friendship that again resonated so deeply with me. I feel like I keep saying that, but it's true. These details are just so on point. At one point, Taylor and Belly are arguing because Belly is like, why did you come here and like throw (laughs) off my game? Which is so real. Like I remember this feeling of like inviting somebody into your like top secret special clubhouse, whatever that top secret special clubhouse is and being so excited for them to experience what you experience. But then as soon as they're there, it's not quite what it is supposed to be or what it usually is. So then you're like, but why did I even bring you here? You're ruining everything. So like Taylor comes. So true. She's shaking things up with Jeremiah and Conrad. Belly is so concerned that Jeremiah and or Conrad are going to be more interested in Taylor than they are in her. And like, even though she doesn't want Jeremiah, she doesn't want Taylor to want Jeremiah and she doesn't want Jeremiah to want Taylor. Like she just wants things to be the way they usually are. And I I pulled out this one quote from Belly about Taylor. And I think this was right after they had had their argument. She says, what Taylor really meant was, I want you to stay the same forever while I grow bigger breasts and quit violin and kiss your brother. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Because Taylor's also interested in Belly's older yes. brother, Stephen. Like, and Belly totally missed that. Like, Belly was so worried that Taylor was going to hook up with Jeremiah or Conrad that she wasn't even paying attention to the fact that all along Taylor and Stephen were the ones that had been flirting and she yep. catches them making out. And so, like, she's that was so mad. Heated. Oh my She's God. She's so mad. And just this idea that like, stop trying to make me less hot than you. Like, yes. <laughs> You're like, wait, this is my summer. <laughs> like, why did you, right. like, why did you have to come here and try to steal the boys that I like? Yeah. We've right. all had that feeling too. And like Taylor comes across as a little more popular, a little more, yeah. you know, she probably had the summer. She turned pretty already, potentially yeah. a little more confident with guys. And Belly at this point is still a little bit shy and demure. And then, yeah, it's just, it's so accurate. Like I, totally remember I mean this is like kind of a flashback but having like my friends audition for plays with me back in like early middle school and then when they got in with me I'd be like hold on (laughs) wait like are you gonna get the lead am I gonna get the lead this is my thing we've all had that so I know I love that quote too and I think quitting the violin is like so symbolic it's like yes like what now you're too cool for the violin like and I'm still playing violin and like my boobs (laughs) are smaller than yours you're just gonna keep not playing the violin and having bigger boobs like Like, screw you (laughs) yeah exactly so true so perfect yeah so Jeremiah like you said in the end professes his love to Belly it's very dramatic he says you've always been my best friend but now it's more I see you as more than that you're cooler than any other girl I've ever met And you're there for me. You've always been there for me. And I know you've always liked Conrad, but you're over him now, right? And I think part of this is that like Jeremiah has seen Belly hanging out with Cam. And by this time, she's distanced herself from Cam. But like 
everybody here is jealous. Like everybody here just doesn't want yeah. other people to have the things that they might have in theory, even if they're not. They don't even know. They don't yeah. know. They don't know what they, they don't want, know what but they, they don't want, want others to have what they mm-hmm. could have, which I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot in this book about like kind of owning people emotionally, which is sort of what you feel, I think, when you're getting into relationships for the first time or even like in the most intense friendships that you have when you're younger. I remember feeling that way about some of my best friends. Like you can't have them. Like that's my mm-hmm. best friend or like that's oh, my yeah. maybe boyfriend. And it, it does take many years and I'm still working on this in some of my relationships to realize that like that's not what being in a relationship with anybody means. Like you don't get to have a hold on someone. Yeah, exactly. It, it's very prevalent. I remember having some of my harshest fights in middle school being like, oh, wait, you want to bring her into the friend group? Like, I thought I was your like best friend and yeah. you invited her to the sleepover and I wasn't invited. It's a lot of needing to feel confident in your relationships with people and knowing that that's okay for them to be friends with other people and that doesn't diminish their friendship with you. It's totally something that's still prevalent in my life now. And so it's obviously going to be difficult for Belly to navigate that at 15. And then something else I wanted to say, it's when Jeremiah kind of like declared that love for her. I feel like at that age too, I had maybe like crushes on boys for like two days because they were my friends and it's almost hard to separate the feelings of like love you have for someone as a best friend and then that kind of just gets trampled over like oh wait do I actually have a crush on them so I feel like that almost is something that Jeremiah was grappling with and he wasn't really sure what his feelings of like love for belly meant and he almost just maybe assumed that they were they could turn into something more yeah it's so confusing we've talked about that we've talked about that on the podcast before where it's like when you haven't been in those kinds of relationships before yeah and you just have a lot of love for somebody it's really hard to know like what that love means and it can get very tricky and it blurs a lot of lines and I think we see that in this book and I think Jeremiah is protecting what he perceives to be his turf and he's protecting that from Conrad and from Cam like he just wants belly to be his and I feel for Jeremiah in this moment because as we find out like there's a lot happening in his life his mom is really sick his parents are getting divorced like his life is kind of falling apart and he's grasping at straws exactly but ultimately belly like does have to say like it's not you and that of course then like turns into this bigger fight between Conrad and Jeremiah which seems to be a fight that they needed to have for a long time because yeah there's a lot of resentment there yeah, exactly. Get the aggression out. A lo- Not that I am a pro of <laughs> any kind of physical fighting, but it seems like there was a lot going on there between those two for sure. So now we talk about Conrad. I know. <laughs> we have built up to Conrad. who Moody. <laughs> when his face showed up on my screen when I watched that first episode, I was like, who the hell is this? <laughs> I know. I mean, like now having read the book, perfect casting. Perfect. Like if you haven't seen the show at all and you've read the book, you have to look up these characters. Like it is, I could not stop picturing them the whole time. He's Ugh. just gorgeous. It's hard to gorgeous. comprehend. Gorgeous. I'm too old for him, but he's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. And in this summer, like Conrad has changed. In the past, he was kind of like more of this all-American boy. Like he was always a little broody, a little mysterious, but he used to be like this amazing football player that did a lot of the things that were expected of him, especially by their dad. But this summer, he's quit football, he's drinking, Belly catches him doing drugs. Like, there's some conversation among the moms about, like, what is Conrad doing? Which is hilarious because we had a moment with the mom smoking weed. Loved that. so funny. I loved it, too. But Belly, like, can't quite figure out what's going on with Conrad. And part of it is that she doesn't know about Susanna's 
latest diagnosis. She doesn't know that Conrad is processing a lot of really heavy stuff in ways that maybe aren't the healthiest for him. But she also is like, well, it's a summer I turned pretty. So like, I wonder what kind of summer Conrad is having. Right. But she also sees him like there's this whole I think you mentioned her before, Grace, like Red Sox girl. It's like this girl that's walking around wearing a Red Sox hat that's just always around and Belly can't figure out if like she's Conrad's girlfriend. And I remember feeling like that sometimes, like, are they dating? And that was at the time that like I didn't understand. Like sometimes people aren't dating and they're just like making out and like Right. They had a thing. That's what (laughs) you used to call it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or like they're hooking up. Right, exactly. Whatever that means. So yeah, I mean, Belly is just like obsessed with Conrad. And I mean, I wrote down like so many quotes about how she is dealing with those feelings in this book. And especially when she's dating Cam, things get confusing because she thinks like she's kind of over it. And then she realizes that she's not. It's just like very hard for her to sort through. And then she's kind of inspired by Jeremiah to like share her feelings for Conrad. Yeah to him directly and she says I've loved you since I was 10 years old and Conrad says you shouldn't I'm not the one sorry she says I don't believe you you like me too I know it like she just doesn't want to believe it and Conrad says I don't love you not the way you want me to you're still such a kid belly and this is where he accuses her of playing games and he says the world doesn't revolve around you and they're kind of accusing each other of the same thing like yes belly has felt as though Conrad has been so self-absorbed all summer and this is the first moment that we're seeing Conrad turn that back on her this is the first time we're seeing Conrad accuse her of playing games it's a really intense moment yeah it's i mean so so sweet i'm so happy as devastating as it was for her in the moment that belly kind of like found her voice and was able to say all the things that were on her heart like I don't think I could have been able to do that at 16 so that was huge but it kind of is and we realize more what happened later but it's almost happens exactly when as how when Jeremiah kind of like expressed his love for belly and she said the same thing like it's not me I don't see you that way then she went and said it to Conrad and had the exact same thing happen to her it was really sad yeah, I just everybody in that moment, and it all happened so quickly. So it's quick. no wonder that there was then a physical fight because they're right. all so hopped up on their emotions. Right. The good news is, spoiler alert, everyone, she does wind up with Conrad at the yes. very end. And Jenny Han leaves us on quite a cliffhanger. This is how I the know. book ends. It's I was so mad. I was too. It was like when Love is Blind ends before the weddings. Waiting. Waiting. <laughs> what's gonna happen the last sentence of this book is there's just us everything that happened this past summer and every summer before it has all led up to this to now I should have just ordered the next book right then and there I probably will do that I did unfortunately get spoiled on what happens in some of the later books no and I'm like so excited oh wait (laughs) a good yeah yeah. (laughs) you're like no I actually need to order that no now I actually need to order it so I'm happy for Belly like she got her happy ending the boy that she's been in love with for years yeah. ultimately like found his way to genuine feelings for her and that's really cool there's another relationship that I want to touch on before we start to wind things down and we've we've danced around it a little bit but it's the relationship between Belly and her mom which I thought was so well drawn it was so good it was so good this like tension between Belly's relationship with her mom and her relationship with Susanna who she perceives to be like so much cooler and more glamorous and like so much more into the things that Belly's into like She's kind of all the things that Belly wishes that her mom was. And a lot of her feelings about her mom are wrapped up in the divorce 
And I just like, there were a couple of times when Belly was like, well, a lot of people might blame my dad for the divorce, but like, obviously the divorce was my mom's fault, Mm. which is just as somebody who has divorced parents and like has been through all kinds of ups and downs, like trying to reflect on what might have happened years and years ago as a teenager, like I absolutely assigned blame in unfair ways. And it, I felt gave me permission to just like be mad at one parent when that wasn't fair. Yeah. And just, I thought that like the sort of love triangle between Belly and Susanna and Laurel was fascinating. It was. And it's, I think, again, like a really universal experience to have a motherly figure in your life who's not your mother, but thinks she's so much cooler. And oh my gosh, I wish she was my mom or like a friend's mom, maybe from high school. And you think that she's so cool because she's not the one disciplining you. You don't, you don't know what Susanna would be like if she were actually your mom, even though she sees her being this amazing mother to Jeremiah and Conrad, I think there's this idea of, oh my gosh, well, she wears pretty dresses and they have this beautiful house. And there was a quote somewhere in there about how, when she realized how different they were and like different financial levels. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I wish I had like when Susanna wanted to buy her the dress, which I loved because then we found out that Laurel bought her the dress and it just broke my heart. I just, I loved it so much. And I feel like that almost made her like, oh, wait, my mom is pretty cool. If she would do that for me, she would never do something like that. And again, I just, the writing that Jenny Han did between like the mother-daughter relationship, it was just, it's so, it's exactly how I acted with my mom sometimes. And as an adult, you're like, oh my gosh, please just treat your mom a little bit better. But it's, it's classic high school drama with your mom. It was perfect. And then of course, at the end, when Belly learns that Susanna is really sick Ugh. again, like that gives her a new appreciation For Susanna, but also for her mom, because she's looking at Jeremiah and Conrad and thinking about the fact that they're losing their mom, most likely. And so she wants to be nicer to Laurel, which I loved. I loved it. You mentioned like class and money, which is a big theme in this book. I also think like power is a big theme in this book. Yeah. Again, like we've sort of danced around it in our conversations about the way Belly relates to these boys. But so much of like their relationship is about shifting power dynamics. And of course, being a 30-something woman in 2023, like living in the world and under looking at power dynamics in different ways and thinking about feminism in different ways, like just the way that Jenny Han like writes about things like the belly flop and the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, these boys just took it for granted that they would always be able to throw belly into the pool, even if she didn't want to be thrown into the pool. And like she understands that that's an unfair power differential. They're yeah. bigger than she is. There's three of them. They can do whatever they want. And there were moments like that throughout the book where like Conrad was super patronizing to her in public at a party where she knew in that moment that he has more power than she does. And I I just couldn't help but clock all of those little moments. And I thought that it was fascinating. It was fascinating. It's so true. And kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning, almost like society is just makes us believe that all of that is okay sometimes. And it's interesting to go back and like clock all the things that you could be like, hold on, wait, you shouldn't be talking like that to me at a party. I'm good if you don't belly flop me into the pool at 15 years old. You can't do that. Like my body is my own body. I Maybe I don't want to be thrown into the pool. It, it was presented in a, a really fascinating way. Yeah, I loved it. It was so consistent throughout. Like yeah. I feel like I feel like Jenny Han just kept like sneaking in those little beats throughout mm-hmm. and it worked really well. So I know you didn't read this book when you were a kid and it's impossible to compare your reading experience today to a reading experience from years gone by. But what I would love would be if you could kind of compare the way that you experienced this book to maybe your expectations of it or maybe like some of the books that you did read as a teenager. Like how do you think this book ages 
relative to other YA or how does it live or not live up to your expectations of it? I think that I kind of, I've said it a few times, like I've put myself in the position as if I had read it in high school and I know that I would have devoured it and absolutely loved it. And as an adult, I did the same thing. So I do think that it lives up to my expectations and what I had heard about it on my Instagram. So many people have like talked about how much they love this book, especially when the series came out. It fits right into the mold of something I would have loved to read. And I think it holds up as a really great YA romance. I don't think there's anything too you know controversial or I think she does a really good job and it it holds up and yeah I just I really enjoyed a night as a 28 year old want to read the next two books even though it's targeted for that high school age group yeah I know I might just read them and not like even try to shoehorn it into the podcast in any way like I just might have to read them (laughs) I know I'm going on vacation soon and I'm like maybe I should go to the bookstore and pick these up for my vacation I think you should I think vacation reading yeah other than the summer I turned pretty what have you been reading lately that you might recommend to our listeners so I'm reading a book called Wayward right now, and it is so good. It's kind of all over the place. I feel like a lot of people have been reading it, but talk about like strong, powerful women. This book features like three um, women, all from different time periods. There's one in like 1619, one in the early 1900s, and one in like present day. And you're kind of trying to figure out the relationship between them all and how they they might be family members. Um, they're all kind of being tested in different ways and such strong, like powerful, badass women and I've just like loved reading it there's a little bit of a magical realism element a little bit of a mystery there's a tiny bit of romance it just has something for everyone and I've been like loving it great well I will include a link to wayward in the show notes for this episode if I'm not mistaken you are reading wayward for your podcast one woman book club which segues us beautifully into a moment to talk about your podcast one woman book club tell us all about it tell us where our listeners can find it and I think you launched it pretty recently, right? So congratulations. Thanks. It's been a really cool endeavor. I mentioned this before, but I did like YouTube videos back in high school and early college. And it's kind of reminded me of doing that again. It brings me back to like my, again, like teenage years, but I launched it in February and you can find it on Spotify and Apple podcasts and half of the podcast, it's once a week. um, So four episodes a month. And one half of the podcast is just talking about like book updates, life updates, my current reads, any like book lists that I want to talk about. And then the real like meat and potatoes of the podcast is the second half. We talk about a quarter of our monthly book club pick. So it's kind of a way to be in a virtual book club if you don't want to like attend the meetings or if you don't really want to speak up. Like I've been a part of book clubs and just like kind of like to listen to everyone else's thoughts sometimes if I don't really have a lot to say. So it's a way for me to kind of share my thoughts. And then um, you can go onto my Instagram and I do polls throughout the week and questions to ask and give kind of the floor to you. And then I also share those thoughts in the episode too. So it's been really fun and a learning curve, like with all the technology and editing things. And it's, it's really fun, but it's a lot, it's a lot of work. So I give you a lot of credit for doing it for almost five years, which is amazing. Yeah. It takes some time to get into a routine, yeah. it, but you're already well on your way. And I'm always Thanks. so excited to see a new book podcast launch. And I've been following you on Instagram for a really long time at Grace's Reading Nook. And so I also want to shout that out. And I think you're a fantastic bookstagrammer. I love your content. Thank you. So make sure you're following Grace on Instagram. Go check out One Woman Book Club on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And Grace, I just really appreciate you spending this time with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to read this book and then dissect it with you. I had a blast. Thanks. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. 
Thanks so much for listening to the SSR podcast. Check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information. And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind the scenes inside scoop, and some good old fashioned book talk. Find us at SSR pod on Instagram and Twitter and search SSR podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast. <laughs>